thrillers, chillers, and chicks. Welcome back to Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. I am your host, Hannah. And I'm your other host, Erica. And thank you for joining us once again to talk about some spooky movies. Today we are going to be talking about a movie called Super Dark Times, uh, directed by Kevin Phillips. And the plot of this movie is relatively simple. It follows two friends from high school, Zach and Josh, and the story is told from Zach's point of view. These two boys, just participating in normal high school boys shenanigans, uh, wind up accidentally killing one of their friends, and they have to cover up the death. And throughout the movie, we see that although the initial death might have been an accident at the hands of Zach's friend Josh, Zach starts to realize that Josh might have gotten more of a taste for killing than he initially realized. So I first saw this movie a couple months ago, just sort of <laughs> decided to watch it on a whim. And I remember the movie ended and I sort of just stared at my screen for like 30 minutes. And so, of course, when we started doing this podcast, I said to Erica, I was like, oh, we absolutely have to watch Super Dark Times. So we actually just finished watching it. Erica's just seen it for the first time. So I got to say, Erica, <laughs> what what were your initial thoughts? On um, ooh, what? <laughs> Excuse me? The best way that I think I can describe it is, I don't know if anyone has seen Black Mirror, but if you have, probably at least seen the Shut Up and Dance episode with the teenager who's being blackmailed. And so he has to go do all of these challenges around. The shock that I felt from that episode, that it sounds like a lot of other people felt too, is exactly like the same shock I felt at this movie. That's actually a really good comparison, I would say. It's like, oh my gosh, oh no. The thing about this movie is that the plot is so, and this is what I was telling Erica, like relatively as in, within the horror genre, it's a relatively simple plot of, you know, oh, there's a murderer and he stabs people to death. And not even that many people, really. Like, I think three in total he kills. And in the horror genre, we're so used to just consuming this totally demented material. Mm-hmm. And we watch all these movies where these batshit crazy things happen, like Midsummer, And we're like, you know, it wasn't even really that scary. It wasn't even that bad. Uh, because I think a lot of times these stories are so dressed up that you are always reminded throughout it that you are at the end of the day consuming a piece of media Mm -hmm. but the way this movie was shot like the dialogue and the script even there's not a whole lot to it just like there's not a whole lot to the plot but the way that it's shot and the way they use the soundtrack just so sparingly and the lighting and the acting it's so intense that you feel like you're experiencing these things right alongside the actors. Like there's a scene where, or the scene where their their friend is accidentally killed is shot in almost complete silence. Mm -hmm. And you feel the weight of their shock and their panic as it sets in. And this movie kind of really serves, I think, to remind us 
that murder alone is still a horrific and traumatic thing, <laughs> which sometimes gets lost in this genre as people are constantly trying to top each other with new mm-hmm. horrors. It's really cool to see this movie kind of just go back to the absolute basics and remind you of how bone chillingly awful it can be. Even like, um, it's actually funny that you bring up the murder and the topping because I was actually, uh, I was on TikTok the other night and uh, there's a girl on there whose username that I should maybe look at, but her account, she pretty much talks about the Saw movies and the mm-hmm. traps and, you know, kind of, you know, she's a big fan. So she's just kind of talking about what goes on in the plot and what she thinks. And I feel like in movies kind of like that, it is so easy to kind of forget that you're like, oh, these people are like dying, dying. And it's almost so over the top gruesome that it's kind of easy to separate yourself from it and be kind of like, eh. But in the terms of this movie, I think it's very close. And like when like the buildup to them accidentally killing their friend, you can feel like every second of it. In a way, you're almost in the same mindset where you're like, ooh, this is escalating and it is not escalating in a good way. And this sword is involved and oh, oh no, oh shit. Absolutely. Because not only, I would say the main in my opinion, chime in if you have a different one, Erica, but I, I would say, in my opinion, the main emotion that's really portrayed in this movie is panic. Mm-hmm. But it's also intertwined. It's kind of the marriage of, you know, trauma and adolescence in a way. And that's part of what makes it so impactful when you watch it is because they capture adolescence so well. And like you were saying, you're kind of in the same mindset as them as in a lot of these situations, because you're like, yeah, how else would you react? And then you're panicking along with them because your stupid, dumb adolescent brain, <laughs> when you panic and you do dumb things, you're like, oh no, now what? And you kind of just feel that panic alongside them. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really interesting too, just kind of the way it's shot, like the, you know, a lot of these really traumatizing events, like where they accidentally kill their friend or, you know, Josh tries to kill Zach at one point. Mm-hmm that was really terrible and it again is just shot almost in complete silence they don't play around a whole lot with the angles or the lighting and it just feels like you're experiencing it along with them but on the flip side of that coin there's scenes where Zach is you know talking to this girl he has a big crush on and the lighting's really soft and it's just a very like sweet kind of tender scene, but it's sandwiched in between all of this terrible stuff. And that's kind of how life operates when you've gone through that huge kind of trauma is you have these huge highs and these really low lows. And then there's just like this crushing emptiness in between, but it's just panic, like Mm -hmm. this very quiet, all consuming panic in between those moments. And if anything, it actually, now that I think about it, with this, because so that murdery, panicky story is also kind of alternatively complemented, I guess, with kind of a a romance plot in a way. Yeah. And uh, we kind of see the manifestation of Zach going through that because he's the one who's kind of talking to this girl and they're kind of trying to get together whilst also having seen one friend accidentally kill another friend, like just hours before he really kind of starts hanging out with this girl. And you kind of see that manifest in these kind of weird sexual dreams that also have 
hints of like the murder site and where they tried to hide the evidence and stuff like that. And if you think about it, they also kind of get you to feel that way because his relationship with this girl is really sweet. And even like, I have it like in my notes and while we were watching it, I like said something about it. I was like, I kind of want them to get together and they're really sweet. But why am I having these feelings in the middle of like this whole murder? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, you know, there's that one scene where she goes to kiss him and mm-hmm. he can't. And it's it's something I'm sure a lot of people who've been through really traumatic events, maybe not something quite so uh, out there as having a friend murdered in front of you. Hopefully, if so, call in and we'll get you some therapy. Because um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, just even something on maybe even a smaller level, it's he he wouldn't kiss her. And it's because he feels like he can't engage in intimacy. Because to engage in intimacy is to be vulnerable. And right beneath the surface is all of this dark, terrible stuff. And he knows that if he brings her into his life like that, And if he allows himself to get close to her, he's going to have to let her get close to that dark, scary stuff, Mm -hmm. which he's not really willing to do. But then he's kind of stuck and lonely. Now, I don't know how related this is, but I remember, let me give you kind of a timeline because that kind of helps explain it. So the friend is accidentally killed. They all kind of join together, even though Josh was the one who kind of primarily killed him. Mm -hmm. It's kind of... It was an accident, but you kind of begin to question that as the movie goes on. But so they do that. They hide everything. He goes home and the girl is there and they go to his room and she's kind of holding him because she can tell that she's hurting, but she doesn't really know why. He kind of tries to kiss her for the first time and he can't, but he's like touching her neck. And it's Mm -hmm. really interesting because he's touching her neck similarly to the way that he was touching their friend's neck when he was dying. Yeah. When he was trying to kind of figure out, like, is he really dead? Am I tripping right now? And you can, you can, you just kind of see that that's kind of one of the moments where he's like, oh God, mm," pulling away. And it's hard because A, you don't want to bring them into your mess, but B, you don't want to associate these like pure kind of just very soft, you know, sort of feelings you have for this person with the dark, icky, gross stuff sometimes your brain is like hey remember when you were holding your friend's bleeding neck 30 minutes ago (laughs) and you're like this is not the same at all but okay (laughs) (laughs) it's like I do not want to associate that with her or this feeling that's a hard pass yeah and the character of Josh is really interesting because Zach is definitely the main character of the movie we're seeing this whole story unfold through his eyes and Erica and I kind of wondered if Zach is maybe something of an unreliable narrator because throughout the movie it appears that Josh becomes more and more unhinged but part of me wonders if it's just Zach is realizing more and more that maybe Maybe Josh has always been a little bit unhinged. And um, Erica pointed out earlier how Josh seems to get along well with all of his classmates and peers and that none of them are really like actively going out of their way to make his life miserable. Um, and there's a scene earlier on in the movie where they're all the group of friends is at a gas station and they're pointing out different things like, oh, melon soda or oh, dried squid. I bet that's nasty. And Josh is the one who keeps saying, well, someone must like it because they make it. 
or you shouldn't talk down about snacks like that. And he's always trying to set himself apart from his peer group because I think he views himself as intrinsically superior to them. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're walking along this bridge and Josh kind of crawls up on this higher railing. And you would think normally that's so you can look out over the water and get a better vantage point for that. But he's looking down on them as mm-hmm. if he's finally in his rightful place. And I think somehow killing people gave him some sense of control and power over them. And he finally felt like he had their respect in some sickening, twisted sort of way. It's like he almost associates respect with some kind of fear. Yeah. Because I can definitely see why he goes after one of those other characters because he's not scared of him. There's another character. It's probably the only character in the movie who really bullies him or messes with him. And Mm -hmm. his name is John Whitcomb. He's not super present, but it's still pretty relevant. He's the only one who kind of messes with or picks on him. And Josh isn't scared of John, but you can tell that it bugs him that he can't get to John in like a bully or like a, a fearful manner. Definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't honestly say Josh is afraid of anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because he does view himself as stronger, smarter, better than everyone else. And he just feels like they haven't figured that out yet. And it's Mm -hmm. sort of, we'll all show them kind of thing. Because John doesn't even really like physically antagonize him. Like he says some insensitive stuff, but the only time John like touches Josh is after Josh comes after him and tries to fight him. And he's like, pushes him down. And then that's it. Like, he's just like, don't touch me, bro. And then he just leaves. Yeah, it's really kind of a mild interaction as far as fights go. Mm -hmm. And it's something any normal person would shrug off. But, you know, psychopath behavior. Mm -hmm. And even uh, Zach, like they're walking by him and he's like, just don't even bother with it, dude. Like, if you just leave it, he's not going to say much and we can just go. No, literally, they could have just kept walking and they probably wouldn't have said anything. They were stoned out of their minds. Oh, yeah. But because Josh demands respect from people, he stopped and picked a fight. And there's also, I think one of the scariest things about Josh for me is that I 100% know people like him and we're friends with people like him. Oh, yeah. Like chances are, if you're listening to this, you or are kind of interested in horror movies and stuff like this in the same way, chances are you were probably kind of maybe into more of the weird kid things. Not necessarily, but, you know, the emo phase and the goth phase and whatever else you were into in high school. I absolutely knew people like this in high school where like you would eat something and you'd be like, oh, this is pretty spicy. And they like eat a handful and they're like, it's not even that bad. Like they're always trying to one up you. Or like, you know, I saw this show the other night and they like killed somebody was kind of messed up. And they're like, I've seen worse things in whatever horror movie or something. They're always trying to show how tough they are Mm -hmm. and kind of prove how superior they are. And I think all teens to an extent can be that way. Kind of the I'm not like other girls complex, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Which definitely affects boys too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. You know, I've heard uh, different statistics quoted I, I would have to look it up to make sure that there's some scientific backing to this but I've heard that most teenagers when you when they're psychoanalyzed they come across as sociopaths which is why you can't diagnose uh, a sociopath until they're 18 because all teenagers <laughs> um, are still developing empathy 
mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of scary because like you said I think we all knew people kind of like this but it was just that next level almost he mm-hmm. kind of but it's it's also one of those things where you know these kinds of things happen and then people look back in hindsight and they're like well why did no one notice why weren't there signs or couldn't people tell and in some ways yeah but in other ways he could have been just a run-of-the-mill high school creep who would have grown out of it in his 20s you know oh, what I mean? yeah absolutely because like even in the beginning he talks kind of creepy because he's talking with zach and they're like picking girls in their book that they would sleep with or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and like it doesn't you know it's not pleasant but it's nothing that would raise much concern beyond like Ooh, hopefully they'll grow out of that and hopefully they're just doing it as a front exactly the things they would say they say they would do to these girls aren't pleasant to listen to but it's mostly just normal teenage boy wet dreams yeah it's not like i'm gonna force them to do anything as much as maybe like voyeurism right voyeurism fantasies or something it's just terrifying and like i don't know and ladies I just have to say, trust your intuition because there have been a lot of people in my life that have made me uncomfortable and sometimes I didn't quite know why and maybe everyone else loved them but for and there was no reason that I could point to to say this person makes me uncomfortable but there was just something in my gut that told me they weren't safe and my gut has never been wrong. Whether it's months or years later, something always comes out and I'm always glad that I kept a polite distance (laughs) and I think it's so easy to ignore that feeling but I venture to say even if you can't look at all the facts in front of you like we're saying you know sometimes it's hard to tell a run-of-the-mill creep from an actual creep trust your gut because your gut will know Oh, absolutely. I was telling Hannah that, uh, kind of jokingly, but I was telling Hannah that Josh was giving me like flashbacks because <laughs> I have definitely been around and either in an attempt to be like nice or polite because I'm like, oh, I'm I'm prejudging them because I feel like in this case and in other cases too, he definitely looks like the weird kid, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, your first instinct is like, ah, I've prejudged them and that's wrong of me and they're probably nice. And the whole movie makes you feel increasingly uncomfortable, even through the screen. And you're like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, if you don't feel safe about something don't feel pressured to like stay nice or stay involved with somebody. I've definitely run into that mistake. And even in this movie, you could even say that that's kind of something that gets a lot of people in trouble. Definitely. And there's a difference between being polite and being trusting. You can Mm -hmm. be polite to someone and be kind to them without trusting them. Trust is earned. And until they've shown you that you can trust them, you don't need to. (laughs) And trust can also involve like being in there, you know, having them kind of be in your space and having them talk to you or follow you around somewhere, you know, trust, Mm -hmm. trust can extend to those areas. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to know best when you feel comfortable around someone. Um, And if you're still having doubts, you know, like I said, I would... I would listen to them. I have never once regretted listening to my gut, but there have been a couple times I have regretted ignoring it. Oh, uh, honestly, in cases like this, every single time I've not listened to my gut, I've regretted it. I can say that 100%. I definitely let things go probably even dangerously too close for comfort. Like uh, I have, I've been realistically genuinely stopped twice and I was 
uh, not even 18. Like I was in like middle school and high school and yeah, people were like taking my numbers and stuff. It was very scary. Yeah. And if y'all are listening, it's on site if I ever see you. So <laughs> you can catch these hands. Yes. And like, it's, it's wild. Like one of them, uh, have, I think, I think I can hope, hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Uh, one of them has only stopped contacting me like fairly recently, like within the last year, have they stopped? Yes. And they stalked me in like my junior year of high school. And I'm about to like, I'm, I'm an extra year into college right now. So that's another like four or five years on top of those two. Oh my God. Yep. He was still getting my number and my Facebook. Oh. He made fake accounts. Right. He made accounts no. pretending to be people. And he was 110% like this dude in this movie. <laughs> like, you know, wanted to be tough and he was a little weird, but not necessarily mean or and it didn't feel right and but I was like oh I shouldn't be mean and I had known him in middle school I'd seen him before so he wasn't a complete stranger and he was fine in middle school so there you go (laughs) that's a no for me I mean I this is on a related but (laughs) maybe not quite so terrifying note so I'm sorry (laughs) no 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 I'm just saying like no so I like I said my my gut is very rarely wrong and even when it comes to celebrities sometimes like I never liked Bill Cosby and I never knew why because he seemed like this sweet old man and everyone loved him I didn't like him I didn't like Matt Lauer everyone liked him and I didn't like him you know who else I never liked Army Hammer I could never watch (laughs) Call Me By Your Name because something about that man rubbed me the wrong way I looked at his face and I said there's something dark in those eyes I don't know what it is I can't even watch this movie I swear I never miss I can say that 200 uh, percent nowadays when I meet people or meet guys and because I still you think after being stalked you'd learn your lesson but I still have the uh, well I'm just being too you're too nice whatever yeah I'm, I'm being too judgmental they're like stalking you and you're like but what if they don't like me if I tell them to stop and I'm like I don't care I'm like because like I don't want to I I never want to be the bad guy uh but I have to learn that sometimes you're not really the bad guy PSA if they're stalking you they are the bad guy (laughs) well we'll stop well in my defense uh at the time uh I had tried to get like principals and other people involved and they all brushed me off so I was like oh maybe I'm just thinking too far into this and here we are yeah I'm salty at them I am too to be honest Uh, but but yeah Erica will like introduce me to guys that she likes and she'll be like so are they creepy (laughs) (laughs) are they are they weird what does your gut say or or weird weird you feel me (laughs) are they weird or do you think they're gonna try and attack me at some point (laughs) I, yeah, I've never, I don't think anyone that you've introduced me to been like, oh, they're a total creep. They've maybe sometimes been a dick. (laughs) That's true. I I have no room to talk in that department. (laughs) But But I feel like. Just because my gut can tell me if someone's a cannibal or not, doesn't mean that I'm not out here sometimes dating people who are sometimes not very nice to me. (laughs) In your defense, though, I feel like you also have a have a level of awareness to where you get to there and you're kind of like well I can't say I'm surprised I'm surprised every single time she said I really be going into it like I know this is going to happen but they they told me I'm pretty so (laughs) it's 
okay. No, Hannah. No. No. Blindsided. Erica's blindsided every time. Hannah's like, I don't think you should date that dude. He's absolutely an ass. Here's all the the evidence and factual proof that he's an ass, which was true, by the way. And I still went, mm, smooch, smooch. Uh, and then, you know, here I am, surprised Pikachu face, like two months later, disappointed. And let me just say, this was all of our, like, first couple relationships. We're not really like this anymore. This was our, like, introduction to the dating world when we're all stupid. Mm-hmm. We were older, wiser ladies now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> older and wiser. I sure am, Hannah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we gotta switch it up and at least make <laughs> different kind of mistakes, Eric. <laughs> I'll try. Oh gosh. So anyways, uh, watch <laughs> Super Dark Times. <laughs> it's it really is good. As you can see, it opens up a lot of good conversation about um, when you should not hang out with the creepy dude who makes weird eyeballs at you. And yeah, we really enjoyed talking about this movie with you guys. Mm-hmm. And we did do a recap this round, but I think that because of the simplicity of it, this is definitely a movie that you should go ahead and try and watch for yourself. A hundred percent. In order to kind of get the effect, because it can, you know, it, it's a pretty quick recap and it's not super complicated, so... We figured we'd let you guys explore this one a little more. Definitely. Okay. You always ask me, so I'm going to ask you this time. Um, (laughs) What would you rate Super Dark Times? I would rate Super Dark Times nine katanas out of ten. I I agree. I I also rate Super Dark Times nine katanas out of ten. Uh, we could also do nine accidentally dead friends out of ten, but maybe not. <laughs> okay, that was really bad. I I approve, <laughs> but I don't. Also, uh, we'll probably get put on some list for this podcast at some point. We have not accidentally killed anyone. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. <laughs> My mom never let me get a katana as a kid and probably a good idea. I never got a katana as a kid, but as an adult, I do have a machete. Not because I wanted to like hit anything with it, but I was kind of like, oh, lit a machete. Someone told me that instead of getting like a gun for my bedside table, I should get a hatchet for by my bed in case someone breaks into my apartment at night. And if you think I'm going to be out here with a hatchet, hatcheting home invaders. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta be like the hash slinging slasher. Like people just over to my home and they're like, "What is that?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's just my home intruder hatchet. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it." I mean, Lizzie Borden had one of those, and I think she got the job done. I mean, she did not use it on home invaders, but that's aside from the fact. Don't don't worry about that part. That out. She said, "Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take this out." I'm going to give my father 40 whacks. 40 <laughs> They want me to just improvise. Freestyling <laughs> the hatchet. I feel like that's, I'm sorry. Now all I can imagine is like a home intruder comes into your house. Uh, you are, are game and focused enough to pick up the axe. You're like, I don't have a game plan. So I have to use one I've heard of before. And then <laughs> the intruder is like, you're like 40 whacks, bro. One, two, three. <laughs> Look, the other intruders are like, stop! He's already dead! The others, how many people are breaking into my apartment? They're going to be sorely disappointed with all they find are weird rocks and books. Who are we kidding? We're going to be like that one, uh, we should probably link these TikToks somewhere, but where where she's like, hey, 
uh, I've just broken in and killed your whole family. And, and the girl's like, I, I live alone. And the intruder's like, then who are all those people? So do your homework before you go home intruding. Make sure they don't have any home invasion hatchets. Um, and if you're trying to kill their whole family, make sure they actually have a family and they're not little orphan Annie. There's little orphan Annie's unattached. You can't get to her. They can't get to her. So maybe see that dog. <laughs> she was. She had a hard knock life. Like it ain't even. <laughs> it can't even hurt her no more. She says Santa Claus. Who's he? <laughs> what? <laughs> the song. I tried to think of the next line and I couldn't. <laughs> That's like the only line of that song that I know. We've gotten so What's that? <laughs> you know, as society is crumbling around us, <laughs> I think this is definitely a good fun episode. We're vibing oh, right now. There was a lot of off-topic conversation in this episode, but... That's probably good, though. More, you know, to learn a little bit more about your host while hearing about a cool movie that you should definitely go watch. Definitely. Well, we love you guys. And join us again in a couple weeks as we review another movie. We haven't picked it yet. But until then, stay spooky. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. It's... Oh, oh, we've got some good ones coming. I already feel it. <laughs> you can't stop it. You can't stop it. All right. Bye, guys. Stay spooky. Hey, it's Erica from Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. And I just want to let you all know that our primary form of social media right now is Twitter. You can find us at Ann Chillers. There you can find updates and also give us your feedback on the podcast. Thank you again for listening and stay spooky.